Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Dan, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Good morning. Yeah, you're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And Dan, today we've got probably the biggest project I think we've ever talked about on the show. Ever. I think so. It's painting your garage floor. Oh, yeah. I have wanted to talk about this for ages but there's so many little, little rabbit holes to go down yep, and so details to know about. We have delayed doing that. We decided to jump right in and we're going to hit everything. So if you've ever thought about getting your garage floor painted, we've, we're going to have all the information that you're going to want. Right now, though, let's talk about paint tools. And I like to think of it this way. If you hate painting, and there are people, Dan, I know this comes it as is, a, they a do shock exist. to you. Yeah, <laughs> they do. I, I talk to them a fair amount. They hate painting projects, and usually they hate painting projects because they say they stink at them. They've had a bad experience. Yes, I talked with one guy, and I've shared that on the, on the show before. He was painting his bathroom. His wife got him to help. And they were both working out of different trays. He put his tray down to work in this, you know, roll some paint over here, stepped into the mm-hmm. tray, splashed it all over himself, was stunned that this had happened, you know, shocked. So he sits down on the toilet to collect himself and sits in her <laughs> paint other tray, paint his tray. wife had left on the... <laughs> he is one of those people who hates paint projects, and maybe I can't help him. Understandably. Yeah, he might be a lost cause, hire that done. I told him that when I talked to him. But a lot of the rest of us maybe hate those paint projects because we're not using good tools. Right. And I think that's really true in pretty much any project. Absolutely. The right tool for the job makes things go so much smoother. Think about decorating cakes. Think about writing happy birthday if you don't have one of those little squishy I've never done it, but frosting I can things. imagine. Try to do yeah. it with a butter knife. I've tried. It looks like happy a murder birthday. scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very slashy. But if you have the right tool, you can work your way across and it's not horrible. Sure. Same is true with painting stuff. And right now, through the end of the month, we're running some specials in store all at all Repco Lights on a couple of really common, really important, good-to-have paint tools. And we'll be doing this all year long. Every month there's going to be something on sale, and the sale is really good. It's one of the best sales yeah. we've ever offered price-wise. So this month, June, we're offering Sherlock roller frames from Wooster, as well as the next step down, the Wooster Pro frames. Both of these are roller frames. They're 9-inch roller frames. And let's start by talking about the Sherlock roller frame. Top of the line, right. why in the world is this so good, Dan? One thing is the way it holds on to the roller cover. Normal frames ha- tend to maybe have the cover come off as you're painting. Yeah, if you've you know, ever been rolling your wall, off. right, you can kind of watch it walk its way off. Right. And you got to bang it on something or push it down with your little palm. Right, now you got paint over your Paint's everywhere. It's a pain in the neck. And the Wooster Sherlock frame will actually hold it in place. In fact, the only way to get it off is to bang the frame like into a... Into a garbage can or something like that, right? Right. You hit it on the U-bend of yeah. that frame, and the roller cover will shoot right off. But that's a really nice feature. Now, another really nice feature is the fact that that shank that we're banging on the, on the, gra- the, on garbage, the garbage bucket can. or whatever is super sturdy. Yes. Way better than the cheapo ones that you buy. Right. And that gives you better durability and control. And then another great feature for the extension pole... And we really recommend using an extension pole in almost... A lot of circumstances. Yeah. Most. I would say most circumstances. Just get a short extension pole. It will really save your back. It will help you apply the paint more quickly. And with the Sherlock frame and with the cheaper Wooster Pro frame, the, the next step down that we're both are on special, they have a quick connect system. Rather than having to thread it on, 
these actually just clip right onto the Wooster uh, specific uh, extension poles and they stay in place perfectly. They don't work their way loose. Right. And if you need to swap them out, it's just a matter of a quick connect. You hit that little button, you pull it off, you can quick roll your wall by hand, a couple of areas if you need to, and snap it back on that extension pole. Super handy. Super handy. Those tools are on sale to the end of the month, and you can find them at any Repcolite location. All right. More info in the show notes if you want to check that out. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking about garage floors. Okay. Digging in deep, and that's all just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore and Dan. We're going to talk about painting garage floors. Finally. Yes. It's something that I've wanted to talk about for years, and I don't think we have ever talked about ever in the history of the home improvement right and that's the only history that really matters (laughs) but in 300 and i think this is our 14th episode 314 episodes we have not talked about this well it's about time it's about time now i there's a reason multiple reasons why we haven't broached the topic one of them is just because you can really get lost in the weeds on on some of this. There's a lot of what ifs. There's some detail to walk through. Yeah, and all the steps and blah, blah, blah. It's Saturday morning. I know that that's not everybody's cup of tea to be listening to that, but I still think this is really good information because painting a garage floor, it's one of those projects that's really popular. Yeah. You know, it can really, you know, the idea is that it's really going to change our space. There's you know, a number of reasons why it's popular. A couple of them really quickly is just, one, we can turn our garage from this ugly storage space into like this entertainment mecca. Uh, more of a living space. Sure. Yeah. We can have open houses and all kinds of things for people that we really don't want in our homes. <laughs> right. They can stay you outside. Can use the bathroom in the house, but yeah. otherwise you're going to be in the garage. Maybe. Unless I can get the neighbors <laughs> to let them use their bathroom. You know. But yeah, so we've all gone to houses where they've had an open house and it's in this beautiful garage setting. And man, that feels great, yeah. even though it's a garage. And a big part of that is getting those floors coated yeah. and that really pushes it over the over the boundaries and makes it really cool. Another reason is just that it's easier to clean. Right. At least Very that's practical. the idea. Sure. Right. Easier to sweep up. However, with all of that said, all of those positives, garage floors really are one of the most difficult and demanding surfaces to paint. You know, if you want to paint something and and have to deal with some chipping and some peeling and some other issues, well, garage floor is the way to go. If you really <laughs> like fixing things. Right. If you want a maintenance project. And why is that? You know, why don't we just make a better coating for the garage floors? Well, contamination that ends up on the in the concrete, you know, oil from the cars, uh, other vehicle fluids. Even cars driving in, you know, Michigan winters, you yeah. know, the roads are covered with salt. We bring that into the garage. That can attack a Just coating. Water. Just, Just standing water. All of that. There's all kinds of things going on that makes the garage floor, you know, besides the vehicle sitting on it and all of that and us dragging tools across it. I mean, it gets hit with almost everything. It's a severe duty. When's the last time you've driven on your living room wall? (laughs) It certainly wasn't a good day if there was a last time. That's what your garage floor lives with on a daily basis. So a garage floor coating really has a lot of heavy lifting to do. Now, with all of that said, you know, anywhere we go, if we click on TV or, you know, you're scrolling across Facebook or whatever, or you walk into any store, you're going to see lots of DIY kits, you know, garage in a box kind of things. Just bring that home and it's going to look amazing. Well, are those the best? Is that really the way to go? The plan today, what we're going to do on this segment, couple of segments it's going to take on the show is we're going to walk you through the whole process. 
you know, getting the floors ready for coating, deciding if your garage floor is even right for a coating. We're going to walk you through all of that. And then we're going to talk about the products that you need to use. And hopefully what this will do is give everybody out there just the information you need to decide if this is something I want to tackle, if this is something I want to hire done, or and something all of you that. just don't want to do at all. Yeah, maybe you just want to put that money into another project, and that's very valid. Sure. And in fact, that's one of the first things we're going to hit. So let's start with the preparation. And we talk about paint projects all the time, and we say it's 90% prep and 10% painting. Dan, you have a way of saying it's 90% prep and 10% perspiration. Preparation, Preparation. And perspiration. Perspiration. Yeah. You clearly don't sweat like I do. <laughs> Walking across a room is perspiration. So the prep work for me is 100% still perspiration. <laughs> but anyway, the point is doing the prep, you know, we want to get to rolling the paint on. That feels like. Now we're the getting work. somewhere. Right. But no, really, the mountain you got to climb is that preparation. And it's so important. If you do that wrong or you skimp on it, cut corners. You'll regret it in the future. And that's on any paint project. Right. But especially floors. In spades floor. when we're talking about floors. Now, let's start with a moisture test. That's the very first prep step. And it's actually kind of a fork in the road kind of a thing. This is where you're going to decide if this project is for your garage floor or maybe not. Right. Now, most modern homes, newer homes, will have a moisture vapor barrier, a plastic sheet, basically, that's laid down before they pour the concrete. That prevents moisture in the ground from coming through that concrete slab. Older homes will most likely don't have that. So there's a way to test and see how much moisture is coming through your concrete. You'd be surprised that's how much comes through. Way more than you would think. So you can test that. It, very simply, this is something you could do today. And you just need some plastic, basically like a three-foot square. Yeah. Probably get a couple of them. Yeah. Do a few areas, and you're going to tape them down with plastic duct tape. Cheating, yeah. And then wait 24 hours. See what happens. So you tape it down this afternoon. On Sunday, you can check it. And what you're looking for is moisture under that plastic. Right. Condensation if, on the backside of the plastic. If you see condensation... What is that telling you? That's telling you probably this is not a project you want to proceed with. Right. It it's probably means long-term issues with adhesion of the paint because that moisture is just going to want to push that paint, peel that paint off. Over so time. let's say that I put plastic down in three different areas because we recommend, like I said earlier, doing multiple areas just to get a good overall look at what's happening on the floor. Let's say I've got one of them that's really dry and a couple of them there is moisture. I mean, what do I do? It seems... The, the, and I guess it's a, yeah, then it's a flip of the coin. Do I dare proceed with this project and take that chance or not? You know, moisture trouble is a foundational problem. If you're seeing some of that, it it's a good reason to pause and think maybe this project isn't one that right I because a peeling floor it's going to be a problem that you're dealing with. Now you've got a project every all summer. All the time, right. And you can probably live with the concrete as it is if that's going to be the case. Now let's move ahead and let's just assume for the sake of the rest of the show, because we got more we want to talk about, let's assume that the plastic is dry. Yep. The listener has done this, taped off some areas. Maybe I'm going to do it on my garage floor. And I check it after 24 hours and it's completely dry. Everything's great. What do I need to do? Now, I know I've got a good candidate for painting. You know, the garage floor looks like it would work. Yep. Now I need to proceed, and I need to make sure that the surface is clean right. and dry, and I also may need to etch that floor. Right. Now, there's a quick caveat before we get to what the cleaning and the etching processes look like, and that caveat is this. If your floor is brand new, you're going to want to wait at least 30 days for that concrete to cure 
before doing any of this stuff. Correct. All right. So with that in mind, let's say it's an older floor or maybe it's been 30 days or so. Let's start with the cleaning process. Probably dirty, right? Most garage floors are. So general cleaning, you know, and this is in, this is not any kind of rocket science. This is standard. How would you wash your garage floor? Just hose it off. Yeah. Rinse it off. The places where you have oil stains... Now you might need to use something a little heavier duty, a degreaser cleaner. Right? Yeah, we've got Challenger or Spray 9. TSP can be a yeah. degreaser. And if you can't get either one of those, any of those, just get a good degreaser and hit those spots specifically. Correct. It may take a couple of applications to make sure you've got it up, but make sure you go through all of that. And then once that's been cleaned, you want to rinse that floor really well. Get all those cleaning agents rinsed off. Yep and then let it dry. Then you would proceed to the etching. Now, if I'm going to go and etch it and pour an etching solution on it, this this question comes up all the time, why don't I skip that cleaning step and just do the etching and remove right. all of my stuff that way? But the etching doesn't really touch it doesn't the do grease spots cleaning. or the dirt or anything. Oh, no, it's not really a cleaner. So even though that may sound like a really nice way to skip some steps and save, save, yourself, yeah, save yourself some time, don't do it. So get it cleaned. Hit those spots with a degreaser and you're ready to go. Do I need to let the floor dry before I go to the etching or can I rinse it out and then while it's still wet, start with the etching solution? Etching will work better on dry concrete. It, it will work on damp concrete, but it will work a little bit better if it's dry. Okay. Now, the other question I've got is, does every single garage floor need to be etched? You know, if I've got a brand new one, if I've got an old garage floor, no. do they all need to be etched? And how do I no. know if it does or doesn't? The, the signals that it would be necessary to etch, number one, if it's less than two years old, it probably has some of these impurities that come to the surface of concrete that is part of the reason why we do the etching is to remove those impurities. The other reason is to give the, the concrete some surface profile, some roughness so that the paint can adhere. So if your floor is really smooth, then yes, it should be etched. It's it's going to help with adhesion tremendously. Okay, so if you've got to etch it, generally in the past we would have recommended. I mean, years back, muriatic acid, hydrochloric acid, right. you know, that was the go-to, and we don't recommend that anymore. Don't use that. It's very difficult to rinse right. the muriatic acid off uh, thoroughly, and even a small amount of residual acid left on the concrete can inhibit proper adhesion of your paint, and you could end up with peeling paint. And the can continue to degrade your concrete. That acid will continue to eat at that concrete. Could even reach the rebar, the reinforcement steel that's in your concrete slab, and all kinds of bad things. The concrete can spall, break apart. Just imagine trying to explain that to your wife. <laughs> I etched the concrete, and now there's no garage floor. It's all crumbled <laughs> right. away. It's a dirt floor now. Yeah, so don't use muriatic <laughs> acid. There are uh, concrete etching solutions that you can find that you can use a little more safely. You want to look for one that's a phosphoric acid-based right. etching solution. It's going to be less aggressive, easier to rinse, and it's also less irritating to your skin, eyes, and lungs. Right. So get Get that etching solution, put it on, and then after etching, after applying it, you're going to rinse it really well. Triple rinse it. Go right. over and over and over until it's really rinsed, and then let the concrete dry out for a few days before you move on to a coating. You'll know that you've rinsed it enough if, when it's dry, if you see whitish areas, you haven't rinsed it enough. So then continue, hit it again. Continue. Don't let it get dry. Basically, rinse, rinse, rinse. Keep it wet. When it gets dry, now it's almost too late. Now you can't rinse it anymore. All right. So that's etching with an etching solution, and it's 
sounds pretty straightforward. It's a pretty straightforward yeah. Oh, yeah. process, but there are some drawbacks. Etching solutions won't work if your concrete is treated with a sealer, and the only real way to know if your concrete is treated with a sealer is to use the etching is solution. Is if the etching solution doesn't work. <laughs> the chicken egg thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but you pour it on, and normally on raw concrete, it's going to fizz. Yes, right. You'll see all these little bubbles. And if it's uh, sealed concrete, it's not going to fizz. It's just right. going to hit it like water. So it's not going to do anything then. At that point, just you know, stop, and you're going to have to proceed to another way of etching that concrete, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, another reason etching solutions are not, not questionable, but you know, something to consider, some issues involved, uh, they need to be really thoroughly rinsed. We already covered that. They can still present health and environmental concerns, even sure. though this is better than the hydrochloric acid or the muriatic acid that we used to use in the past. This can still cause chemical burns on skin, lung irritation, things it's like that. It's still an acid, right? Yeah. yeah. And finally, if you're acid etching a floor, you can still get varied results depending on the density and the porosity of the concrete. Right. It may not be completely uniform right. across the board. A, a slab of concrete isn't necessarily a, a continuous thing. There are places where it might be more porous and less porous, and the, the acid will have different effects in those areas. So those are limits to using a solution to acid etch the floor. There's another way of preparing that floor, abrading that floor, and that's to use a concrete grinder or um, shot, blaster. shot blasting it. Now, we rent out our on-floor machine, which will function as a concrete grinding tool. It's, right. it's crazy. We use it on decks. We use it on hardwood floors in the home, and it can be used to grind concrete for your garage floor, let's say. And it's interesting because it uses three different heads. You know, when you're using it on a deck, the heads that are applied are deck brushes. Right. So it works abrasive brushes. great on the boards. But when we move to a garage floor, we've got different tools, different heads that go on that will allow it to really do a great job on concrete. It's connected to a vacuum. So you're removing all the dust as you go. It will give you a uniform right. abrasion right. of the floor. And you're ready to go for paint immediately following going over that floor with the on-floor machine. You don't have to wait any dry time like you would with the acid etching. Right. So really grinding is preferred over acid etching. It is the preferred method. That's the way to go. That If you can do everything to the best of your ability to get the best results, this is how you would prepare that floor for paint using yep. the on-floor machine or shot blasting or something like that. All right. Once you've done that, once you've acid etched the floor, if that's the route you go and you let it dry, now it's time to talk about paint. Which one do you use? Which product is best? Which one's going to hold up and give you the best results? We're going to take a break right now. Grand Rapids listeners, you're going to get news and weather at the bottom of the hour. Eastside listeners, you're going to get a Repco Light Rewind. And then when we all get back together for segment three, we'll be talking about paint products for your garage floor, what you need to know, which ones you want to look for. That's all next. Stick around. We're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And Dan, we're talking about painting a garage floor. You know, it's one of those I wish I could projects for a lot of us. Right. Or I hope to someday, or maybe I'm going to. It's one of those things. We think about it a lot. And there are a lot of DIY kits all over the place that make it seem crazy easy. Right. You know, just go home and roll this on the floor, and there you go. It's like iron on your, on your garage, and it looks amazing. You can have parties out there. Everybody's happy, right? Right. Well, there's a lot more to the process and to the project than just rolling the product on. And in fact, we spent all of segment two on the show talking about the different prep steps involved. Right. And really, it was just an overview. What we wanted to do was give you just a bird's eye view of what the process looks like 
So you see, there's a fair amount of work involved in getting good results. But it's fairly straightforward. Straightforward work, but you want to make sure you do it all. And we know that a lot of this stuff is really in-depth for Saturday morning. And probably not the thing over the bowl of Cheerios that everybody's just writing down notes furiously. And don't worry about that. Just just kind of sit back and let the process roll over you. Understand, you know, kind of get a view of it in your mind. But if you need details or need more answers, any Repcolite near you is going to be able to supply all sure. of those answers. And also, we've got all of this information in our show notes. So check it out at Repcolite.com. Now, all right, last segment, we talked about prep work. And now we're up to the finish paint. You know, what do I pick? What's best? First, let's start with some types of products, paint products out there that you want to avoid. Right. Single component products in contrast to a two component coating uh, where you mix part A and B together. Yep. Those are the kind of products that we want to use. The single component type that we don't mix a hardener with it or a catalyst. Avoid or those. They're generally not going to hold up. They're not durable enough. They're not resistant enough to water and chemicals and even abrasion to really do the job. Right. So single component paints, if that's what you're looking at, I would keep looking. Yeah. Even two component water-based epoxies, though. You talk about the two component mix, but if it's a water-based epoxy, that still probably isn't going to give you exactly what you want in an ideal situation. Correct. So what we recommend is a two component, and for lack of a better way of defining it, I'm going to say a two component solvent-based paint for your project. And we'll explain a little more about that in a minute. And within this category of two-component, solvent-based you know, type products, there are three different types, or at least a few that we're going to focus on. A solvent-thinned epoxy, right. that's one. 100% solids epoxy, a second one. And polyaspartic, which I absolutely love to say. <laughs> it's so much fun. All right. And all of that can be, you know, it feels a little Greek to maybe most of us out there. Let's go through each one and kind of give you an idea of what we're looking at. And let's start with the solvent-thinned epoxy. Solvent-thinned epoxy, a couple examples would be Repcolite's polyglaze epoxy or the Benjamin Moore Cortec V400. The advantages of using the two-component solvent-based epoxy is that it's easy to use, it's very durable, it's forgiving, has lots of working time. You know, you mix these two components together and you've got plenty of time to work with them. Um, It's available in unlimited colors, and it's economical. It's probably the most economical thing of what we're talking about here today. All right. So something like Repcolite's Polyglaze, like you mentioned, economical, available in all the colors, easy to work with. Cons, it stinks. Yeah, smell. It stinks in smell. It doesn't stink in quality, (laughs) right? Right. It's an odor thing. Yeah, there's definitely an odor to that. Uh, What about 100% solids epoxy? All right, so this is technically not a solvent-based epoxy because there's no solvent present. Yeah, so, so what is it? I, yeah, I think that's very confusing for people. Is it a bucket of sand? <laughs> Pour out, well, there's, there's, it's all solids. Well, yeah, 100%. it's 100% solid plastic. It's liquid, obviously. You mix the two components together and apply them to your floor, and everything that you put down stays there. Unlike most conventional paints, there's a solvent component that evaporates into the air. Mm -hmm. And so if you're putting down a 16th of an inch of coating, let's say, you know, and and half of that is solvent, well, you end up with a 32nd of an inch thick of coating. With 100% solids coatings, everything you put down stays there because there's nothing to evaporate. Now, Repcolite makes Mirapoxy SL right. and Benjamin Moore's Coratec V430 yeah. would be one. The pros of doing that, and you hinted at it, you end up with a beautiful, smooth, glossy finish. It's amazing when it's how all done. smooth and it looks like a mirror. 
It's just absolutely glossy, smooth, perfect. Really, really durable. And yes. even though, you know, it feels like, you know, it's it's not solvent-based like we talked about, but it feels like one of those types of products. There's still no odor to this right, virtually. Right, right. Yeah, there's no solvent. There's so nothing to smell. Those are really big pros. There are some cons, though, Dan. Right. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> what are the cons? The big one is because these coatings go on much thicker than a conventional paint, it costs significantly more to use this on your floor. And you need a lot more of it. All right. So con, it's expensive. Yeah. Limited color selection. Basically, Perfect. that means... They come in clear. A lot of times people will use this as a clear coat over top of, a, say, a stain. All right. Um, like a like an oil stain? <laughs> you like a, a concrete stain. Oh, like that a, makes a lot more sense. Or a sense. dye. Stain. Yeah. You don't yeah. really want to highlight that oil stain that no. you tried to degrease earlier. In they the can be steps. pigmented, too, but oftentimes you see them as clear. All right. So limited with the color, slow dry time, and hardness development, which means it's a slower... Uh, back to use car, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, can't put your car back in yeah. the garage right away. It might take a few days. Acid etching usually is not enough. Right. The this surface where... profile that's created by acid etching is not is an, not aggressive enough. So you would need to go to actually the, the grinding, the, the grinding, and all of that. And one other thing, let's oh, application is going to be different. It's not just rolled on with yeah. you know a conventional roller. You're going to squeegee this on, right? Because it goes on so much more thickly, such a much thicker layer. The, the tools you use and the techniques are a little bit different. I mean, it's beautiful, but there's there's some things you got to do. One last thing, we won't go too much into this, but you need to use a sealer before applying 100% solid epoxies because you can end up with bubbles and things like that. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of air, you know, voids in the concrete and that'll show up as a bubble in the finish. Is this really a DIY? This, this isn't a DIY product. Oh, I know people that have, oh yes. Okay, definitely so DIY. definitely can do it. You just got to be aware of some of those things. Yeah, and you got to take it step by step and don't be afraid to ask questions. And we can walk you through that. Absolutely. Polyaspartic, Dan, let's get to that one. Oh, the one you like the name of. I right. do. Polyaspartic is a relatively new technology, and it it's kind of a it has one foot in each camp of say a urethane or an epoxy. They're really different. Tech, it's a different sort of chemistry, but it has advantages that anything previous to this doesn't have. Number one, it is super duper resistant to chemicals, water, and abrasion. Just amazingly resistant to that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's also it's dry and hard. In half a day, you can drive back on the garage floor four hours after you've painted. How does that work with the polyglaze, the very first one that we talked about, the solvent-thinned epoxy? There, what we would that say, time? we would say somewhere between one and three days of dry time before parking your vehicle. And the solid, the 100% solids it's epoxy? Probably maybe more like four to five days. And then this one is, we're talking hours. Right. Polyaspartic hours. You're back in the garage. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like that a lot. Get the car off of the driveway and back in the garage. What about some cons? Yeah, Everything's so got to have cons. We just recommend this for everybody. This one is probably the trickiest one to apply, especially for a DIYer. That has a very short pot life, which means when we mix the two components together, we don't have much time at all, 15, 20 minutes to work with it before it will harden. So it's like it's like one of those Mission Impossible movies with like the timer is ticking, the bomb is going to go. Right. You got to move. If you work well under pressure, this might be stress, the product for you. You might love this product. <laughs> this is a, a product that you wouldn't want to do by yourself. 
you want to have a team of people. And... A team of adequate people. Right. Uh, the best you can find. Your Mission Impossible team. Right. Like, don't have one of them be your dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or even so a couple generally... of my kids that I'm thinking of. Just get sidetracked too fast. Right. Generally, the way it goes is one person is mixing the two parts together. One person is pouring it out on the floor. And another person is rolling it out. All right, so you've got to move fast. Yeah. Uh, it can harden right in the can. Oh, yeah. 15 minutes, you said. Right. There you go. It's smelly. Yes. There's all of that. Limited color selection. Right, again, Largely mostly clear. Clear. All right. So all of those are products, types of products that we say will be great on They'll your garage hold up floor. tremendously well. Those are the things that you want to be looking for, and that those are all for bare concrete, you know, floors that have not been right. coated before. What if your floor already has paint on it? You know, what if we're talking to somebody out there, their floor has been painted, it's maybe doing okay, maybe it's not great right now. Can they use these on the on that surface or is there something else for them? There's a risk in the solvents that are in these things attacking the coating that's on there and lifting it, making it lose adhesion. What would you recommend for that situation? So it's not ideal, but the next best thing would be a two-component waterborne epoxy. And so an example of that would be the Benjamin Moore Insulex Garage Guard. So there are options out there. Some last random thoughts, considerations before we wrap everything up and move on. One thing to think about. Be aware that dirt and spills are going to be more visible on a uniformly colored surface than they are on natural concrete. Right. I always think about this with like kitchen cabinets. You know, I've got oak, stained and varnished oak kitchen cabinets. And while I don't love that look... It, it hides does, ketchup stains. It does. <laughs> Get down there and start scrubbing the cabinets and you'll be blown away by how much gunk is clinging to them. If you paint them all white, you're going to see it Every way spec. fast. Same thing on the garage floor. You may think you're getting a surface that is more cleanable, and it is, but it is going to show you're gonna need the need to probably for clean cleaning it. a little quicker. Also, painted floors tend to be really slippery when wet. Right. You know, think about that. It's like an ice rink out there, and you can add non-skid additives that could be mixed into the paint that will reduce the slipperiness. Oh, also it, grab dirt. It also Make grabs it dirt. To clean. And yeah, so you're you're fighting with that. One solution, possibly a practical solution, would be to treat the walking areas. Right. I've seen that done. With that non-skid additive, but it's still something to to remember. That's going to make those areas tougher to sweep. Another thing before we wrap up entirely, there are marketing materials for many garage floor coatings. We look at them all over the place, and they use language that says something along the lines of, it's hot tire pickup resistant. Right. That's a little deceptive. Right. Really what they're talking about isn't the heat of the tire. It's that the tires are, when they're made, they have a lot of plasticizer chemicals in them. And those plasticizer chemicals can migrate out of the tire into the, into the paint and soften it. And then when you back the car out, you're taking a patch of paint off. And you run into that. That's a concern no matter what you put on for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And the only guaranteed solution really is to use like a carpet mat or something similar under the tires when the car is parked. Right. That's the guaranteed solution. Yeah. The idea of an immaculately painted garage floor is appealing, but often the challenges with prep work and application of garage floor coatings can be a little daunting. You know, after going through all of that, there's an element of this that's a little daunting. It is one of those projects that you can do yourself. You just got to go in with your eyes wide open and your mind full of the knowledge, right? Ask the right questions. But it might be best... 
to hire this one done. Right. And at any Repcolite store, we can help you with the information you need to tackle the project. We've got the products that we talked about. And even more importantly, possibly, uh, we can connect you with contractors who will use them. So if you are looking for a contractor for a garage floor or maybe for any project in your home, just head to Repcolite.com. And then we've got a Find a Contractor tab right on the top menu. Just click that. There's a little form that you can fill out. Tell us what you're working on, where you are. And then we'll get you three names, usually in about 24 hours, get you three names that you can contact of people in your area who do that kind of work and who honestly might have some openings in their schedule. We try to work through all three of those things to make sure the information you get is actionable intel. Right. Right? All right. I think we've covered as much as we really can cover. Yeah. Everybody's kind of laying there, sprawled out on the (laughs) floor. Bowl of Cheerios has been spilled over. You've heard all the information. Head to RepcoLite.com. You can check the show notes for more info. Right now, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for another You Can't Do That segment. We've got something new in Michigan starting June 30 that you no longer can do. We've got all the info just ahead. Stick around. Can't do that, Dan. Lots of things that we can't do. I know. It's and we're depressing. gonna we're gonna tell you even more of them. You're listening right. to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And Dan, you've got something serious uh, that you want to talk about. A new law that's going into place next week on right. June 30. But before we get to serious stuff, I wanted to look at other things that we can't do in Michigan. And I know that there's always ridiculous laws. On the books, right? Things cropped up in the 1800s that people didn't like. Right. But some of these laws stay on. I think this is hilarious. And there's a couple that I think are really worth talking about at the beginning. Number one, destroying a vintage radio or a radio in general, I believe, is illegal. Really? Yep. You can't go and do that. Why would you want to? I can't imagine. Maybe Dan, the other Dan, not me, says something that you don't like. And you throw your radio yes. out the window. That is a crime. That should not be allowed. Really punishable by law. By death. <laughs> well, I don't know about death, but yes, it's punishable by Why? law of some sort. I have no idea. I think it, it, there, there's a long law about all the different things. It has to do with communication devices and you know utility poles and things like that. But the way the law is worded, the utility could actually apply to appliances that convey a message. And the radio wow. is such an appliance and therefore cannot be destroyed. Well, here's another one. It's illegal to paint sparrows. Oh, you know that? Um, there, uh, goes, you know, there goes my afternoon. I was going to paint some sparrows today. Well, and the marketing campaign for next month is just out the window. You know, I thought that seemed like such a big thing. Uh-huh. No, you can't spray, dye, or otherwise color a bird to sell it. As if it were another species. Oh, gotcha. And you can't paint <laughs> animals in general to right. make them look like other animals and then sell them. So, but if you <laughs> you could paint an animal, say, purple, if it doesn't look like another animal when you're done. See, this is why people <laughs> throw the radio out the window. PETA people are chucking the radio out the window. No, we don't recommend painting don't any paint animals. your animals. No animals should be painted. We don't like that. <laughs> Let's, and it's against the law. It's and not just it's, that we don't like it. Right. One last one. It's illegal to serenade your girlfriend. Really? Yep. In Kalamazoo, to serenade your girlfriend is illegal. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. The voices down there, people just can't <laughs> carry a tune. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's completely unallowed. And, and that makes sense to me, too, because there could be a lot of sappy music I don't want to be listening right, to. Right, right. You know, I don't even like it when they've got their radio on sometimes. I, might... I want to throw that radio right <laughs> under the road. I might move to Kalamazoo. It sounds soothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now let's get to the serious thing that we can't do, and it's distracted driving, which should not be a disappointment. None right. of us should be that's disappointed not, right. that we no longer can drive distractedly. But starting on June 30, Michigan's hands-free distracted driving law goes into place. And a number of things that we want to talk about, basically, just what does it all mean? You know, it's it's an expansion. Because I was going to say, we have already, we're not allowed to text while driving, right? Right. That's an older law. And now they've expanded that. And really what it boils down to and means is that you can't, the driver can't, hold or use a mobile electronic device while behind the wheel. So no sending or receiving phone calls or texts. Okay? No watching, recording, or sending videos. Oh, really? Yes. It should not be a surprise. No reading or posting on social media networking sites. Mm-hmm. That should not come as a surprise. And yet distracted driving makes up for about 25% of all fatal crashes in Michigan. That's a lot. It's an incredible amount and absolutely insane. You had a couple of issues, Dan, that... In the past month, I've witnessed two accidents totally related to this. And you had a couple of people almost drive you off the road. Yeah, I had like almost a head-on crash because of this. Because you just couldn't get off your phone? <laughs> right. No, it wasn't me, Dan. Right. I wanted to clarify for the <laughs> listeners. Somebody coming at you right. just drifts right yes. into your lane. Right. And then I witnessed another pretty bad accident when I could see the person was holding their phone. Bang. Well, you know, when you're traveling 60 miles an hour, you're covering 88 feet per second. So just looking away for that split second. Right. You know, think of all the distance that you cover in a vehicle like that, you know, I started riding motorcycle, and while the distracted driving thing is a big deal if you're in a car and all of that, I mean, obviously it's a big deal, it really gets in my head when I think about as safe as I can be on the bike and doing everything I can. I can't control control somebody who's not paying attention. I'm already a little tougher to see. I'm little, so I'm even more tough to see. And then if they're distracted... You know, and there's been studies that show that people think they can multitask, and they can't. Nobody can. No, I'm not even paying attention to what you're saying right now because I'm looking at something else. But I would say I could multitask. Now, if you break the law, what are the penalties? Well, the first-time violator is going to be a $100 fine, or you're going to have to serve 16 hours community service. A second offense is what? Like 250, I think. Yeah, 24 hours of community service. Yeah, fines are doubled if the driver's involved in a crash. So a lot going on. Pay attention to that. The new ban doesn't apply to on-duty public safety workers. So don't be scoping out the police, the firefighters, and the paramedics. No citizens arrest. Right, either. and figuring <laughs> they're exempt. You know, they can of do what they're doing. They are. Right. And driving while using a handheld device is also allowed for all of us if we're in the middle of an emergency situation. You know, we're calling 911, we're reporting a reckless driver, a crime, or an accident, or something like that. Somebody else that's on their phone. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to tattle on somebody else, just make sure you got a really good reason. Pull off to tattle. That's probably the smartest thing. It's okay to use a dashboard mount as well as other, you know, hands-free technology. So keep that in mind. You can touch your phone, like... Swipe or 
one touch of a button, something like that. You just can't be holding it and texting. Right. Let's see these numbers go down, these that's fatal the, crashes. That's the plan. That's the hope. And that's all the time we've got. We're going to have to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite stores are all open, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Dan Altina. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.